Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Sunday night blessing time. George Watkins here on time and on target. So good to see you again and to talk about the good things of the Lord. I know the week has been busy for you, a challenge or <laughs> maybe uphill both ways, but we're here rejoicing in the Lord because he has promised to bring us through those challenges, hasn't he? I love to review <clears throat> the journeys that our Old Testament heroes have taken. It brings courage to us to know that he brings us through the storms. He brings us through the problems. So hang in there, baby, because God's promises never fail. Amen. If you're new to our broadcast, thank you for stopping by. Stay around a while. It's always good to give God a little chance, <laughs> a little time to see if he can unfold for you a blessing as we spend our time together tonight. I notice as I peruse, it's a fancy word for Sunday night, as I listen to some of uh, the speakers and the podcasters uh, on um, the internet, I usually go to someone I'm familiar with, and it's just an amazing thing to me. And I don't mean to, I don't mean to say that I don't believe it, but to consciously be aware of how many men and women of God are speaking the truth and talking to the body of Christ around the world. However, God usually gives us a handful of people that we relate to, something that sparks within our spirit, something that is being communicated from them, through them, from Christ, to our, to our need at the time. And that's the way we usually are, are attracted or at least listen and draw from someone. And that happens in seasons. There's times when something really feeds us. And it's almost like, well, okay, I'm fed now. What's next? I found that <clears throat> over the years as I've developed and grown, how that God took me from a feeding time. I remember in um, 1968 when someone handed me a, man, a, a mimographed uh, lesson, a, a sermon by Kenneth Hagin. And I believe at the same time, they may have given me some tapes. And I, uh, I had a preacher tell me at that time, don't listen to that guy. He's a hick. <laughs> well, we're from the Northwest. So how much more hick, hick filled can some of us be? Well, I did listen to him. And for those early formative years, his his revelation that God had given him on faith fed me and brought me into a new realm, a new level. From that point on, there were a number of others that were in that same revelatory uh, camp, as we call it, but a revelatory season of time that I drew from. And now, when, when I say that I don't listen like I did before, does it mean that I'm not believing it or standing with it. But there comes a time in every level of revelation that you 
catch a hold of the anointing of that, and God takes you on into some things that perhaps you'll not hear from anyone else, or at least from them. I still listen on occasion to a lot of the men and women that spark some things in my life from one level or revelation to another. And so as we start our Sunday night together again, I want to share some things out of the book of Ephesians, the first chapter. I'm probably not going to get very far because when you break the book open, it begins to talk to you. <laughs> Amen. Pass the paper and the ink, remember. The Holy Spirit takes that which you read and blows it open in your spirit, and you begin to hear other things that have not been written down. Now, what happens as you become a Bible uh, lover, a lover of the scriptures, a lover of reading and studying and learning what the scriptures say, when you read one verse, you'll hear the foundation coming from someone else, some, somewhere else. You'll hear Deuteronomy. You'll hear Genesis. You'll hear Psalms. You read the New Testament as Jesus and the apostles did. They referred back to the foundational writings, didn't they? So as we open up our thoughts today on this subject, sealed by the Holy Spirit, until we experience complete freedom. Sounds pretty far-fetched, doesn't it, to think we could complete, we could have complete freedom. Let me tell you this, we have it now. That's the whole message of the gospel, is what has been accomplished for us through Jesus Christ. Now, in my little note below, I made a comment about we are what we learn from our mentors. I came up through Pentecost in the early days. I learned from my father and mother, especially being under their ministry, you know, till I was a, a young adult, actually. And the ministry of our pastors and our elders, you know, our elder senior uh, senior leaders, we didn't call them apostles. They were. We just didn't know. We just didn't know it. So we learned how to pray. We learned how to sing. We learned how to worship. Now, unfortunately, I still hear the same echoes of that same level of prayer and worship in many of the churches I go to. The, wor the, the, the worship is, oh, God, come. And we come hoping that he comes and we're praying that he comes and we're calling for the spirit to come. Come, Holy Spirit, I pray. And here we are again, time after time, still trying to bring in the Holy Spirit and hoping that God shows up. Now, and when he does, we, <laughs> we celebrate it. Obviously, we love it. But there's something better, something different. There's, there's a revelation beyond that. When we pray, God, I want you to go over and heal Aunt Sally. God, I want you to bring joy to me. God, give me some finances. Now, that's a, that's a beginner's prayer. That's a prayer of someone you heard pray when you were a young Christian. You learned how to pray that way because someone taught you. But the scriptures don't teach you to pray that way, do they? They don't teach you to ask God to do this and that. Because if we understand the structure of what this thing 
that we call the body of Christ is. It has been structured by God before the foundation or the beginning of time itself. It has been structured by God that you and I are co-workers, co-laborers, and co-equals with Jesus Christ in this thing called the family of God. That's why we are called sons of God. Jesus even referred to it in one scripture where he said, are you not called gods? Now, when that's spoken in any public service, oh my goodness, the hackles go up. Why? You can't dare say you're a god. What the word is Elohim, it means a spiritual being, a created spiritual being, an Elohim. Now, Jesus is an Elohim, God is an Elohim, and the angels are Elohim. That means a spiritual created being. You and I have been created in the image of Jesus Christ, and we are spiritually alive. We are no longer the old man. We have become new in Christ, and we have, are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Now, if you believe this, if you catch a hold of this, Something will snap alive in your voice, your prayers, your worship, and your declaration. Now, take a snapshot just for a moment of Adam. Adam was created by God, and then he became a co-creator. Now, look at this. The Bible says that Adam, that God brought Adam the animal, but it wasn't formed yet because it wasn't named yet. And Adam named the animals. Why? Because the declaration of a name forms the nature and the form of that animal. Isn't that something? All the animals that God brought were not fulfilled. God wanted Adam to be a co-creator by his declaration, his confession, and his speech. So when Adam said lion or sheep, that name form the very shape and nature of that animal. Now, why did God not bring him a woman? Because Adam could not create the woman out of his own speech. It had to be a creation of God. So God put Adam to sleep, took the rib out, as the scriptures say, whatever form that means, and out of that formed a created being, a spiritual created being that had not been formed before. And then Adam, when Adam saw it, he said, she's like me, my bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And that made it complete. Now, why am I saying this? I want to open up a couple of verses out of First um, uh, Ephesians 1. There's an interesting side note out of the Passion Bible about Ephesians. <clears throat> the original writings, this translator says, was not written to the book, Church of Ephesians. It's actually added. It's more of a consensus by many of the scholars that it was written to the general church. So it's for everyone, not just this one church. Now, that helps me. It, it encourages me to know that I'm included in this. So let's pick it up here and read a few verses because I want to try and get to the last part of this when it talks about the Holy Spirit, where Paul talks about the Holy Spirit. My name is Paul, and I am chosen by God to be an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah. 
I'm writing this letter to all the devoted believers who have made who have been made holy by being one with Jesus, the anointed one. Made holy. Grab a hold of that. <laughs> I like that one. I have been made holy. Now, in your church background, you probably have a list of things that would make you holy. And you also have another list of things that would make you unholy. I carried him in my in my vest pocket or my wallet all the time. As a teenager, I could be holy if I prayed every day and went to church regularly, paid my tithe, and didn't cuss. Well, I could be unholy by going to the movies, playing pool, or saying a bad word, or having a bad thought. You see, it was all ranked upon what I did. It was all legalism and religion. Paul said, something's happened outside of my control. Before I was even involved in this process, I was made holy. Whoa. Now, if God said he has made me holy, then who am I to argue and how can I resist the power of heaven's anointing? Because I am holy. I know, I know the old church wag comes up and says, wait a minute now, you can't do this and you can't do that. And if you do that, you're a sinner. If you don't do that, you're not a sinner. Okay, let's move along. <laughs> the arguments continue. I'm writing this letter. May God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your life. Listen to this on this Sunday night, boys and, boys and girls. <laughs> I was back in Sunday school there for a minute, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to this just for a moment. Listen to the finality of what Paul has just said God did for us. This isn't going to happen. This isn't someday in the sweet by and by and my home in the sky. This is God's declaration to you through this anointed apostle called Paul writing us this letter directly. Listen to it again. May God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your life. I receive that in Jesus' name. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Now. Uncle Charlie, I have an Uncle Charlie. I don't know why he's always named Charlie, but Uncle Charlie is very rich and he loves his nephew. I mean, I am the favorite guy in his life. And Uncle Charlie doesn't have any other heirs. So when Uncle Charlie died, he left me all of his riches. And he's a, he was really rich. I mean, houses and lands and 